This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster, celebrating our bravery and all of it. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Two of my favorite topics are inner child healing and conscious coupling, and our guest today is an expert in both. She is a transformational coach who specializes in guiding clients to achieve their greatest potential. With over 10 years in developmental work, she has helped hundreds of people create the life they desire. All of my friends that have experienced her work have been completely blown away by the transformation that they have experienced. Her deep work allows you to discover what you truly want create a clear path to success, take control of your emotions, and take inspired action. Please help me welcome Anat Perry to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Thank you. Hey, Jay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I feel like it's been a long time coming because I hear about you all the time from so many people, and I'll, I'll share about that in a moment. But first, I'd love to hear some of your story, what your own training camp for the soul has looked like. I've been hearing about training camp for the soul for a while, and I hadn't put the two and two together um, that you were affiliated. So I'm really excited to just drop in with you today and hear about that. Yeah. But um, maybe first, just like your own, what your own training camp for the soul has looked like for you. Yeah, my my own journey to love. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm 43, and I started my my training camp for my soul um, when I was around 25. Uh, mm. You know, and it really was someone that I struggled with, a, like a good, healthy relationship with men. I um, struggled with getting along with my mother. I was lost in my careers. Um, jumping from being in finance to being in sales to just, yeah, not knowing myself at all and really had no, no self-love. I was uh, always in relationships that were very codependent and, you know, of course, um, realizing now in the work that I teach and the work that I've gone through, how much of it was rooted in my childhood and what was modeled to me. Um, but yeah, I spent, uh, the first like eight years of my self-development journey doing a lot of cognitive mindset type of work, which is great. I'm not going to knock it because at the time I thought it was all that you needed was that. Mm. And, um, it developed me a lot as a leader and as a coach. Um, and it brought a lot of awareness to me, but didn't bring transformation to me. My life still looked the same, like eight years into it. I was still in debt, uh, in an unhealthy codependent relationship, lost in my careers. And so it was about 10 and a half years ago that I hit my rock bottom um, Mm -hmm. and left New York City with $2,000 to my name, no job, no car, no home, no plan, one girlfriend in San Diego. And um, realized that I knew I had a lot of awareness, 
but that I was so stuck in even the mindset in New York of like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So just like push Mm. and force and do everything. So I was living a lot in my masculine, in Mm. fear, in force and um, in need, like being needy and clingy and all that. And so landing in San Diego um, was really a new beginning for me of, of, of exploring things I never explored before from, uh, from yoga and meditation. I actually worked at the Chopra Center for Deepak Chopra to mm. plant medicine from, you know, doing um, ayahuasca with, with a shaman here. And uh, all the way to then meeting my mentor, who was a body and mind psychologist for over 40 years. He's no longer with us. But um, it was in that moment, it was in my work with him that I realized um, that I'd never really experienced transformation all the way through. That I experienced a lot of aha moments, a lot of Mm -hmm. awarenesses. um, But that transformation is not just about aha moments. It's really about feeling the things that you don't want to feel. You know, I always say to my clients now, transformation is not a walk in the park on a beautiful sunny day. It's a walk through a burning forest and there's some dragons to slay. So if you're feeling, you know, the icky feelings, if your snot's coming out of your nose and you want to, you know, slam on things, it's like, welcome, you're doing the work, um, the real work. So it was like a four month journey of working with him and really untethering my own soul of really unpacking and recognizing who I really am of mm-hmm. grieving um, the relationship that I had with my dad or the lack of relationship because he was always working and what that was like for little and not and how mm. much sadness there was around that. Like what a heartbreak that was for me. Um, and yeah. like finally feeling that and seeing how that impacted the type of men that I attracted up until that point to mm. honestly, for the first time being in my body you know, doing years of cognitive work kept me so in my head. And then also just how I was raised and growing up on the East Coast, it's very much like being in control, being a masculine, being your head. And so the first time experiencing being home, being in my body, feeling, feeling all kinds of feelings and mm-hmm. allowing myself to hold and nurture myself through that. And, um, so it was in that work that I, I found myself, I found my inner child and I, uh, after four months of working with him felt ready to just unplug from the busy go, go, go that, and at that point I was almost 35 years old. So spent all those years of my life being always in go mode and gave myself permission to just unplug quit my job Mm -hmm. after three months, bought a one-way ticket to Maui and (laughs) Kauai and just allowed myself to just be, to play, to have love affairs, to hike, to sit and write for days. Um, And I just nourished my feminine. And, uh, you know, the Mm -hmm. Hawaiian islands are just so uh such medicine for that so much Lakshmi energy there yeah yeah and so after about four or five months of that um 
it felt integrated. It felt like my feminine, my masculine were ready to collaborate and work together. And I felt the calling to, um, to start, uh, to start training camp for the soul, to start a business, to serve others. I always, ever since I was a teenager, um, was, was drawn to psychology was, was, was the one that my girlfriends came to for advice, for wisdom. I mean, God knows now what I said to them, but whatever it was, it created that, you know, that peace of mind. It was better than whatever they were thinking themselves. And so, you know, when I got into the transformational space in my mid twenties, I fell in love with it instantly. I was, I was fascinated by how, how we think and, and what we believe and having those breakthroughs. Um, but I also felt that I needed to get myself there first. And it took about 10 years to get to the modalities and the tools and experiences where I felt embodied enough that I can really serve others. And so it was at that point that I met my first business mentors and a few months later had my first client. And, you know, I was someone that, uh, marketing is not my forte. So it was more like I wasn't even on social media. I didn't have a website. I was just a networker that could meet out and talk to people and um, really also co-create with the universe. I remember saying yeah. to God, I was like, oh God, I've failed so many times in, in, in careers all these years. If this is how and the way that you want me to serve, then you're going to bring me those that need my medicine. Mm. Um, so yeah, my first few years in business, it was, it was free of a website or any kind of marketing. And I saw tremendous success, like multiple six figures. And people are like, wow. wow, that happened so fast for you. And I was like, no, 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 this is 10 years in the making. <laughs> Don't yourself. It's yeah. just, I was so ready that, um, and bringing such profound, powerful tools and my own embodiment that I was able to hold clients in that mm -hmm. they got results and then they gave referrals. And so mm -hmm. it still continues to be that way. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very humbled and very grateful as to eight years later where I'm at today. Um, and, uh, it's definitely been, um, my soul's journey. Like I, I didn't plan any of this. Uh, yeah. I didn't plan to, to be where my business is at now, but um, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a snippet of the journey. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And you brought up transformation. You use the word transformation, um, a handful of times. Bryn Daler is the one that originally connected us. Mm -hmm. And I remember when she first told me about you, she called you a master of transformation. Like that was how she referred to you. And, um, you know, told me how long you, that you've been doing it before. It was cool also. And, um, I love that it's cool now because we're all benefiting, but, <laughs> and that it's what, um, she said that like, when she talks to people who have worked with you, that's the word that they use that is transformational. So I'm curious, um, maybe if you want to speak a little bit on what transformation is and feels like, but also like, what are the things that make transformation last? Um, yeah. And then we'll go. I have one more transformation question after that, but we'll start there. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's not a walk in the park. 
It's yeah. there's there's a lot of things that we don't want to feel that end up coming up. And so you know that you're mm-hmm. going through transformation if it feels like that unearthing, um, mm-hmm. that un- untetheredness of who of your identity, of who you know yourself to be as. Um, <clears throat> lasting transformation, uh, the, the key is really in the integration. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's the work, there's the you 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 come to the garden of you. Mm-hmm. And there's all these weeds, there's all these parts that are, you know, hurting or not you that you inherited or, um, you know, small traumas, big traumas. And when you have the right tools to tend to that garden, you're getting to the root of it. You're not just trimming that weed. You're actually getting to the root and clearing it out. And so now it's like, okay there's, you finish that process and you look at the garden and what do you see? It just, there's just space there. So mm-hmm. that's not the full transformation yet. That's the in-between. Then you plant the seed of who you want to be or, or your wishes and dreams and desires finally have space and you plant that. Now you have to go out in the world and act in alignment with it. You have to water those seeds. You have to continue to show up in the way that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and then that practice over and over again. I remember my mentor saying to me when I worked with him, he was like, you're looking at about 18 months for this to fully integrate. And it makes wow. sense to me now. And I say that to my clients as well. I was like, yeah, you just cleared the weeds. But when you plant seeds, they don't germinate and sprout right away. And some Mm. are quicker than others. And we have to remember that about ourselves too. That Mm -hmm. when we want to make a change after years of being used to playing a particular character, a particular identity, a particular role, that it takes time to learn that new role. Mm-hmm. You can look at Hollywood and see such a beautiful example of that with movies and, um, you know, uh, uh, actors that choose to shift from always playing a comedy role to then getting into more serious roles like drama. You mm-hmm. may see them winning the Oscar performing well, but what you don't necessarily always see is all the months they spent studying that type of character, Mm. Uh, um, learning that accent, learning how to lower their pitch of voice, learning the facial expressions, hundreds of hours. And so it's the same for us. That's the integration. That time Mm. is in the integration. You clear everything, but now how much are you willing to practice and keep showing up as that new person, as that role that you actually want to be. Mm-hmm. And so the, the willingness to keep committing to the integration yeah. is where lasting transformation becomes possible. It's in the reps. Mm-hmm. It's in the practice. Mm-hmm. And it's recognizing that part of that journey is that you're going to default back. Because if you have years of 
um, muscle memory and, you know, uh, um, I'm losing the word there. Uh, programming and programming. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> of, being, of, of like for me, being a people pleaser. That's something mm. that I've been working on shedding for years. And this past year has really been super uh, supportive of it. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. things that has been a catalyst for me, like really ending certain patterns that inside of that identity, there's many layers to an identity and how it shows up. Um, but it's, it's in the commitment to that, that you can become a person who has healthy boundaries and knows how to say no. Uh, but yeah, so anyhow. Um, so that, so that, that's your transformation that's how you get lasting transformation is your willingness yeah. to oh oh I, I just remembered what I where I was going with that <laughs> um we're gonna default back and it's not about um be, beating yourself up when you fall back into an old pattern mm-hmm. it's about how quickly can you recognize that you did and get back mm-hmm. on the horse get back yeah. in alignment and the and having that amount of time go from being oh my god I fell into that pattern for two weeks to mm-hmm. a week to a day to an hour to three minutes to it's just it, it's gone like I don't even know how to be that old person anymore yeah and so yeah. that's part of integration as well yeah and there's so many different parts of us <laughs> that experience that too. It's like when I think of transformation, um, like, yes, I feel transformed as a woman from who I was 10 years ago, but it's like, it's come in parts, like different parts of myself have been transformed at a time, you know, it's like, we're constantly unfolding and I'm curious. So that's like on a personal level, I'm curious too, like when it comes to coaches, what do most coaches not get right. I don't like to use the words wrong and right, yeah. but what do most coaches not get right in the transformation industry? Where's there more opportunity for them to be better yeah. at <laughs> lasting <we> <laughs> transformation for their clients? Yeah, yeah, this is great because I've been there. Um, in the years that I was in the um, mindset work, I was in, I, I got to practice being a coach. It wasn't my own business, but I got to mm-hmm. do coaching. And um, what it is, is that a lot of uh, work out there skips certain stages. So I have what I call the five stages of healing or the five stages of transformation. Mm-hmm. Stage one is awareness. And so becoming aware, sometimes people already have the awareness of what it is that they desire and that they feel blocked around or that they're triggered by. So that is something that uh, most coaches can land on and get to with their clients. But a lot of times they'll skip the middle steps and I'll cover those in a sec and hop right into integration. Um, the coaching can be more of a advising and telling um, than actual getting to the root. So stage mm-hmm. two is acceptance. And it's not just, oh, I accept that this is something that I have trauma around. The, except, stage two, I'd say, is actually one of the hardest for people individually to get to and that they really need coaches to hold them through. Mm-hmm. And this is, acceptance is, 
not trying to change or fix whatever that thing is. And Mm -hmm. so much of uh, what I still see when people are coming um, to coach for healing, for any kind of development is I have this problem. How can I fix this? And so we're giving them things that are trimming it because really the gift of whatever it is that's coming up for you is not in trying to fix or change it. It's learning Mm -hmm. to be with it and accept it so much so that it could integrate with the rest so that the nervous system can accept this part and learn how to, um, to, uh, yeah, that it could accept this part and it could process mm-hmm. it and it could digest it. So I think we, mm-hmm. um, we complicate the, the process of healing when it's really just learning to be and love all parts. And I can get more specific. We can use examples if needed. Um, mm-hmm. Stage three mm-hmm. is getting to the root of it, is that exploration of uh, whose energy is this? Who did, who did I learn this from? So I believe that important coaching work is a combination of the mind and the body. That's why I love mindset. That's important. And I love the somatics and the embodiment practices that. And, and I think that's something else that I feel is, uh, is missing or could be challenging for certain coaches because they're either practicing tools that are, um, that are somatic practices like breath work or movement or dance, um, or, you know, being with sensations or they're doing, um, mindset stuff, story work and, Mm. uh, there needs to be a connection of both. And when there is, and when they're working cohesively together is when there's the most opportunity for, uh, for shifts for transformation to occur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if the mind doesn't believe what the body's telling it or vice versa. (laughs) Exactly. So I've, I've worked with clients that are so good at dropping into their body and being with the energy and somatics and all that and expressing it. But then what their mind is saying is constantly hijacking them or what I like to say, fueling a fire that you actually want to put out. Mm. And so it's, so then they end up indulging in their feelings looping constantly in the same emotional experience comes up and they know how to move it and dance through it and and do breath work with it great but then the mind keeps telling you something else Mm -hmm. and vice versa if you're really good at mindset which was like my background of training is like oh yeah I have awareness and I could like cut through stories no problem but I'm just I'm just cutting I'm just trimming not actually Mm -hmm. feeling the experience around that the sadness Mm -hmm. that there was around that like with my Mm -hmm. dad I remember trimming that weed and being like oh but you know my dad was just supporting the family so that mom could be at home with us he was just Mm -hmm. being an amazing supporter and it's like justifying we end up justifying a lot instead of yeah that's accurate and what was that like for little or not it was heartbreaking there's so much sadness and you acknowledge and feel that part 
So that's part of, you know, stage three is getting to the root is allowing ourselves to experience the impact of what is happening currently or what did happen in our past. Mm -hmm. And then um, this is another place that I see coaches uh, stop at in like shadow work is like you could get to the all that or even in plant medicine, you can get to the experience of the awareness of having the uh the somatic release but stage four is replacing are you planting something new in are you declaring something new or are you just having these powerful releases Mm -hmm. and so that's that's another place that i see some coaches skip or, or or miss out on is um is making sure that there's something new that now we're, we're planting in. So what's possible and available now that wasn't before and having them really declare what that thing is. And then we get to stage five. Then there's integration and education. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, uh, the ability to say, you know, now I'm someone that is open and vulnerable with others. And, um, if you don't know what that looks like, if you can't integrate it because you have no framework for being um, someone who's open and vulnerable, now is when you can pick up that book or find a mentor, someone that embodies that, that specializes in vulnerability. Now there's actually room to read that book or, or hear that mentor or listen to that podcast that's specializing in that and really take in that information. Uh, like there's room for that seed to be yeah. planted in. So those are the five stages of transformation. And as you can hear, there's many points where um, as an individual who's listening to this, you can look and see what stage did, did you skip can show you why you're still mm-hmm. struggling with it. And as a coach, you can see what are you skipping or not going deep into with a client um, that is robbing them of the opportunity to experience mm-hmm. transformation where you don't have to deal with this again in their next session with you. Yeah. And is this the same as the TCS method or is that something different? So it's a part of it. Uh, okay. It's a part of the TCS method is, is the five stages in my okay. facilitator training. I, 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 I teach, I have them, um, my clients really look at when they're working with someone to evaluate always what stage are they at? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes a client can want to keep indulging in, I had a client last week do this, um, uh, the the story and the the healing the mm-hmm. the well I was adopted and I was so I have this abandonment abandonment wound and I'm like yeah we've already worked on that we've already felt that you're actually an integration what does mm-hmm. it look like now to integrate that and so I told mm-hmm. him I was like we're gonna stop taking you through the process of feeling through that again because you've already done that and I really mm-hmm. mapped out to him what integrating that would look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So part of the TCS method is that the TCS method is really a combination of inner child reparenting, nervous system regulation, connection, and safety. Like those are the pillars of it. And it's, it's a whole methodology and process 
that you can take a client through. And the arch of that, the overarch of that is the five stages, is you are mm-hmm. walking them through um, awareness into acceptance, into the root, into releasing, replacing, and integrating. And inside yeah. of each one, there's deeper questions and explorations. And, you know, the biggest thing being how to unlearn what you learned, that it's not Mm -hmm. who you are, it's what you learned and you can unlearn it. And so a big part of the work is looking at what mom and dad represent, what Mm -hmm. they modeled in this, whose energy is this with whatever the client is bringing to you Mm -hmm. and Um, how to reparent, how to unlearn that and give yourself what you needed from mom. Mm -hmm. Give yourself what you needed from dad. Show up in the world in the way that you needed dad to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, two of those pillars that I'd like to go into are that that, um, inner child work and the nervous system regulation. Maybe with the inner child, Maybe you can give an example on what that looks like for your own individual work and maybe also in relationship. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So um, when, when a client works with me, we, we look at um, laying down a new foundation of self, of your connection Mm -hmm. to yourself first and then your relationship with others and the world, you know, the world meaning like how you show up in the world and your career in friendships and connections in relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, mom represents the self. Mom represents an extension of self. You're a mother. You'll, you'll get this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's something that is just innately there. The second that, a child is born and he or she, you know, look at you, look at mom and you say, I'm, I'm your mommy. They don't understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. They don't know by looking at you that you're their mother. But what they do know is that the energy feels familiar. The energy mm-hmm. of you feels like the energy they were just in for months. Mm-hmm. Your voice They don't know what you're saying, but your voice, your vibration is what they heard for months, feels familiar. Mm. And they don't see you as separate because you were connected by the umbilical cord. So they just see, oh, this is home. This is, this is, I am mom, mom, it's me. And so Mm. in that moment, you become their role model, their teacher for everything related to self, to how Mm -hmm. they see themselves, how they talk to themselves how they take care of themselves. And they learn this by what they see, what they hear, and what they feel energetically from Mm -hmm. you, either how you feel about yourself or how you make them feel. And they either copy or or do the opposite or rebel Mm -hmm. or create a way to survive. So if... um, if a client comes to me and they're really struggling with self-care, like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm just always working, always busy. And like my health is suffering my weight, you know, my, my, um, yeah, my, my time with myself, all that. They're really struggling to have time with self. 
I'll usually explore that area of like, well, what did mom model to you in this area? What was mom mm-hmm. like when it comes mm-hmm. to this? Oh, mom was busy, busy running around, always taking care of everyone and everything in the house. Did you ever see her sit down and take care of herself or do something for herself? No. Yeah. So you might've learned then that to always keep busy and put others first. So that Mm -hmm. becomes the script that becomes the imprinting that becomes the way to be. Or Mm -hmm. mom was unable to function. She was constantly depressed and um, always in bed. And as a little kid, you, it was, you felt so connected to mom that it was hard to see mom that way. So you took on at a young age being mom's um, savior. Well, I'll, I'll entertain mom. I'll, I'll take care of everything in the house. I'll take care of mom. And then what happens is you become someone that, um, yeah, again, is always wanting to take care of others to feel, to feel like you belong, to feel like you matter. Yeah. It's no secret that shame free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women powered resource for game changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called AIR. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. My, my story with my mother was exactly that. However, my response was to just not make it worse. So just be invisible, stay in your room, don't create more work, don't create more need. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and, and, and how did that impact yeah. you in your adult years? Um, <clears throat> by not not allowing myself to have needs, not not uh, feeling like a burden at the slightest need. Um, not being able to ask for really anything without feeling like it was such a huge favor. Um, and also 
uh, and it's something I was going to ask you about um, later on when we got into coupling. I noticed that um, a parent's depression, because you're still so commingled with them, it feels mm-hmm. like it's the only thing in the room and it feels like yeah. it's like taking you over. Um, and so there became this response in me that like when a partner is going through something really heavy, I'm great at holding space for clients. I'm great at holding space for friends, but when it's a partner who I'm so commingled with, um, it's like, I get this, like, I can't let this take me over. I can't let this take me down. I can't let this be the only thing in the room. And so I get really nervous that, that like, that's going to happen. Um, so yeah. Those are, those have been my two responses. Yeah, totally. Um, so can we explore that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So who's, yeah, that one specifically because related to relationships, the other Mm -hmm. one, it it seemed like you're very clear on it. I've moved through that very, Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one seems like you, you still may not know what's, what's at the root of it. Uh, who's that? Well, and I tend to call in clients. I mean, I tend to call in partners at well as well that have like a deep sadness and heaviness. And I, I love that part of them. I love that poet. I love that person that can sit with their own pain. Um, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, am I calling this in because I'm still trying to heal this part? Or am I like, is it, is it, is this just natural to like have a partner that like suffers too and needs someone to support them through it, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. What was the question? <laughs> what, did, what did, we won't go into a full hot seat here, but what did, mm-hmm. what did mom model to you when it comes to that? Like, what's the belief there? That- when it came to the depression? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. When it comes to um, being a, tr- it seems like you're, you're drawn to people that have a lot of that same type of energy. Mm-hmm. You said the heaviness, the, the, the poet, the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what my mom modeled to me. Or what my, what, what my, what did, ugh. <laughs> what did mom and dad model to you? What did you see about mm-hmm. relationships? Yeah, they were never together actually, but the, um, the overall feeling was like from, from both of them, when things were hard or heavy, was that like the sky is falling and like, almost like I'm going to take you down with me, you know, was kind of the feeling in the home or also like, it's your fault. It was a lot of like, it was a lot of, <clears throat> I have memories of one of my parents um, threatening to commit suicide and saying that I ruined their life and, and taking a knife and going in their room and not coming out for three days. And, and me, I mean, I was terrified. Um, and so there was a lot of, with that heaviness and it doesn't feel this way in relationship. It has, well, I will say it, it has felt like my responsibility um, yeah. not my fault, but my responsibility, um, yeah. to let, let's, let's fix this before you go in the room for three days and lock yourself in there. Like yeah. before you leave, cause you can't handle it. Let's fix this. Um, 
Yeah. So that's what was modeled. Was that like, it was my responsibility. Um, and the sky's fucking falling. Like this, yeah, this is mom, it. Mom you know? was like, the sky is falling. It's doomsday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to touch on the role father plays first, cause this may open something up. So mm-hmm. I said, mom represents an extension of self. Dad represents everything that's not the self. The first time dad held you or, you know, holds it, holds a child, it becomes real for him that like, whoa, I created this. And there's just so much excitement there, love there, maybe a little bit of fear there, like, oh shit, it's real. Um, But so much feeling there, high vibration feeling that the baby's experiencing the first time as, whoa, this is new. This is, this doesn't seem, this doesn't feel like familiar energy because mom's love Mm. grew over nine months. Dad's Mm. was like an explosion right there, held you the very Mm. first time. Mm. And it feels amazing and loving for most. Some people didn't have that experience and have dad ever hold them. And we can talk about that. There's a gap in learning there and development there. Um, but for most, he becomes everything that's not the self. So the world, your relationship to others, love, purpose, vulnerability. So you look at dad as your role model for everything that's possible with others. Dad mm. is your world. Mm. Dad is the um, the the relationship the first relationship in your life Mm -hmm. that you see Mm -hmm. as an external relationship Mm. so you look at dad for what's possible also in relationships so what did you learn about relationships yeah when you look at mom and dad Mm -hmm. yeah the dad um modeled uh for me even though I didn't I saw them in relationship a little bit. It was uh, chaos, mental instability, violence, um, sexual uh, abuse, um, just a complete lack of safety. Um, yeah. And and his his heaviness, his darkness, his um, his depression. It was what came with it was like an absolute unsafe chaos. Yeah. yeah. And so did you, what did you learn about the world? Was the world to you chaotic and unsafe? Were others chaotic or unsafe? Or did you survive it by saying, therefore, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be the person that changes the world. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, there were times where I was like, I will never let that man in. Like, that's how I stay safe. I won't let that man in. Um, but majority of my life has been, I'm going to save the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I recognize that. Exactly. Because we either copy and fall into it and fall into believing the world's not safe and the world is chaotic and I'm just going to hide from it or I'm going to be a warrior. <laughs> yeah. And I got this. And so, if we were to go into a complete hot seat here, we would work on clearing that so that you could put down the need to be the warrior. You could put down the shield and the sword and the savior part. 
and that you yeah. can start to experience um, the men that could hold you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of you, needing, <laughs> yeah, to be held by them. And we love the poets. It's not like, you know, we don't, all that. There's, there's beauty in all of it, but it's like, mm-hmm. what does Miss Jade want? Kind of, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's the feeling she wants with the world to so anywhere you that you could replace um, dad with others, with the world and start to see that relationship. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So part of, you know, understanding um, reparenting, understanding that uh, a lot of who we are, most of who we are is what was modeled to us. And, uh, that some things were great and we want to keep those and mm-hmm. some things we get to unlearn and remember our truth and who we really are at our core and who we desire to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> don't, yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I don't want to leave you hanging there. So maybe we can wrap it up personally on another time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have a really intimate relationship with my inner child. It's a daily conversation. It's a daily holding. It's a daily, like, even on the little things, like it, whether whether someone's experiencing some heaviness and I'm like, ah, like, let's be proactive. Let's figure this out before you lock yourself in the room. I, I can feel like, oh, that's that 10-year-old who saw the parent grab the knife. Let's go to that 10-year-old. And instead of my all my focus being on the person and the grief, I spend time with that 10 year old. And even if there's like, I posted about this yesterday, like a simple need to like test if, if a guy really likes me, it's like, Oh, okay. Where did that story come from? How old is she? Oh, she's 12. And I spend time with her as well. So I really like inner child work is my favorite. Um, yeah, it's like you said, it's not a walk in the park, but for me, it's like, it's been the most intimate path with self. Um, so you've given me, you've given me stuff to work with today and I'm very thankful. And I'm going to, um, tie a little piece of that back in when we go into nervous system regulation, I have two questions on that. Um, one is, is like the quick emotion and one is kind of like the longer emotion. Um, I've heard you say, I can't remember what podcast it was on. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, it was about like moving through an emotion in 90 seconds. Maybe it was on your Instagram. Um, yeah. But yeah. So maybe you can, yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe you can speak on that and then, and then uh, we'll talk about like when that, when there's a prolonged pain. Yeah, totally. And I, I want to say something about the inner child and, and it's yeah. beautiful that you already have that deep connection with her. Um, and uh, to know that you, you, you can also give her a chance to act now a different way that even yeah. though it sounds like you support her, you listen to her, it's like, oh, like, but you can reparent her and you can tell her like, yeah. oh, you actually don't need to be the one to um, yeah. to, to save here, to save the world here. So I'm excited mm. for you. I try to give that. her new responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're not allowed to take over my communication anymore. Like, I love you so much, but this is not your role. This is what yeah. you're going to do instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I also... I also see the inner child as I, as your emotions. Mm-hmm. So any emotion you're experiencing 
the party that's experiencing that I call your inner child. And so that mm-hmm. way, um, when someone is feeling anxious or afraid or lonely, picture that little one walking into your bedroom or walking into whatever sacred space you always you always Mm -hmm. engage with her in Mm -hmm. picture her being the one to walk into that space and say I feel dot 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 and what does she need in that moment Mm -hmm. to really move through that and this kind of leads into um the the 92nd thing um yeah so that brings so much compassion mm-hmm, so much which is what we need to be giving a lot to ourselves um mm-hmm. for us to down regulate our nervous system <laughs> as mm-hmm. opposed to beating up that child so um you can move through any emotion in 90 seconds this is they've done harvard studies on this um if you uh if you witness a child, like I'm sure with your kids when they were younger, or or maybe even now, if you really allowed them to have the experience that they're having without trying to fix it or manage it or stop it, uh, they probably moved through it in 90 seconds. And then they wanted to go right back outside and play and they forgot the whole thing. Yeah. Um, the t- the tantrums happen more when we're just like, let's say you're out in public and that little one is upset or screaming in the restaurant and you're just like, not now. (laughs) And so then Mm -hmm. they have to shove it down. And so later Mm -hmm. they end up having the tantrum because they needed to hold that for so long. So there's so much more energy that it takes and builds up when we don't allow ourselves to feel it. So Mm -hmm. I want to say that, that, if, if you're new to allowing yourself to move through emotions, um, at first, it may take longer than 90, because 90 seconds, because it's been building up. If I've, I've had grown macho men cry and cry and they, they'd be like, I have, I've never cried like this, or I've been crying for days, or I find myself crying all the time. I'm like, yeah, cause you've been holding this in for so long. It's like, uh, there's a whole bank of moments that want to be felt and expressed. So I do want to acknowledge and say that, that at times it's going to feel more like a lot longer, but if Mm -hmm. something arises right now in you, um, whatever that emotion is, if we get away from the label of it, because we put certain emotions in a box of good, happy, Mm -hmm. horny, yes, please, more of those. (laughs) And like, you know, scared, anxious, frustrated. How do I fix that? How do I stop that? And if we get away from the word and the label, and we check in with actually the experience and the sensations, the energy that that emotion is stirring up within us like I feel anxious where do you feel it it's in my solar plex it's in my stomach does it have a size a texture a temperature a color you start to really be with it at the level of sensation sensations are the language of the nervous system so then what's happening is that you're speaking to your, with, to your nervous system. Your nervous system can actually understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it could take over as the part to process it 
and to downregulate us from mm-hmm. that heightened state or that fear state to that neutral calm place. So sometimes that's what it looks like is um, just naming those sensations and being with them with nothing to fix, nothing mm-hmm. to change. There's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's able to process it. Mm. Sometimes it's an emotion that we just really want, can't be with. We want this to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and naming it is not enough. It's acknowledging and accepting that we actually feel that way. Mm-hmm. And allowing that to bring up some more release some more emotions so this is where I like to use that um, image of your younger your your inner child walking into your room Mm -hmm. and needing you to nurture her and to and to validate and to give that self-compassion like yeah you're angry or yeah you're scared you're upset and giving so much permission so much permission to Mm -hmm. feel that that you could actually move through feeling it. And it's the same thing mm-hmm. if you have a child that that little one needs is just acceptance. And if they, if you mm-hmm. do, you'll move through it. You'll, you'll have that cry. You'll move through it. It's they come in waves and yeah. you learn to ride the wave. And it's about a 90 second. If you mm. fully, it's the resistance of it that prolongs it. That makes it feel like, Oh no, I've, I've been in this for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Cause there's some level of resistance. Remember what I said, stage two acceptance. This is what I mean that sometimes this is the hardest stage. How much can you accept that? Mm-hmm. I had a client that lost his father when he was four years old. His father was murdered and he, he was, by the time he worked with me, he was in his mid fifties, early fifties. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, there's just this pain in my heart. And he'd done everything. He'd done DMT, done plant medicine. He'd done, you know, all kinds of work to try and get this pain to go away. And when I worked with him, I actually had him go into the pain. Like how much can you name it and feel it and acknowledge it and let it speak? Like, yeah, this part is, it's heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And the more permission he gave to it and I held that space for him, he experienced ecstasy is the word he used Hmm. and he said whoever thought that this pain could feel so good I'm like Hmm. yeah because you've labeled it as pain all these years when it's actually just the love that you have for your daddy Mm -hmm. that you haven't allowed yourself to feel and it was it was ecstasy so you know um Joseph Campbell says this that bliss is any feeling felt all the way through. Mm. And so the opportunity to move through something is to get away from labeling it as good or bad and just learning to be really good at feeling it and accepting that this is what this vibration and energy feels like. I call it becoming an energetic Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> getting really good at <laughs> emotions. Mm. 
And so that practice, if people really give it that practice, you'll see it's about 90 seconds. Now, let's talk about something like grief, for example, because people are like, you're telling me I moved through grief for 90 seconds? No, 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 no. Yeah, like the prolonged grief that has been going on for years. Yeah. Yeah. Grief is a part of us and grief Mm -hmm. is, um, it, it comes in waves that can continue to come throughout our life. And it's learning to acknowledge that when that wave comes, when something, let's say you lost a pet or you lost a loved one, and maybe it's been five years and then um, you meet someone and they have that the same name and it makes you mm-hmm. think of that person or you go to the place where, you know, you, you first met, like something brings up that memory, that part, it's going to bring up that feeling of what we call grief, what mm-hmm. we label again as like pain and really you start to relating to it as, as just the profound love that you have for that. Or it could be grief of like, I went through a lot of grief in the past year um, around mistakes that I made in my business and the losses that happened from that. And it's just like acknowledging that it comes in a lot of waves, but that it's about 90 second waves. And so when that grief comes up, if you can, again, practice being with it, the level of sensation, accepting it, feeling it, allowing it to be there, it'll move through a 90 seconds. And two minutes later, you may go through another grief wave, especially if something just happened, like a breakup. Right? We go through a breakup and there's a lot of these, um, uh, we call them like grief contractions. Mm-hmm. Remember? And, mm-hmm. and then as time goes on, some things you never feel or grieve anymore. And then there's going to be certain things like I imagine losing a loved one, like my parents are both still alive, but I imagine that when that day comes till the day I die, I'm going to be riding those waves of Mm -hmm. grief or of, again, a different way to call it of just the profound love that I have and the missing that I have for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious here, um, we're talking about our own grief. I'm curious um, in, in the relating that I spoke to where you want to be able to hold space for a loved one in their grief. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear that about co-regulation, like nervous system co-regulation, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Love that. So very similar to that little one, your inner child or like your kids, one of your kids walking into the bedroom and and being really upset because Timmy didn't want to play with them in the park today or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you get to hold that person, whoever that person is, and acknowledge what they're experiencing as valid for them. And at the same time, importance of co-regulation is to not merge with it, not take it on as something that you have to feel along with them. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that are empaths, it's a practice for sure. Mm -hmm. And the key to it is 
that you can witness the other person and hold them through it. And at the same time, and it's the same thing in coaching as well, at the same time, checking in with yourself, you're um, doing like what I call like a a somatic check-in of your breath, what sensations are happening for you in that moment so that you're not fully merging with them and abandoning your strength, your, um, your presence, your groundedness so that Mm -hmm. you stay grounded in your breath, in your own sensations. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, witnessing them and, 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 and validating their experience. Like they Mm -hmm. say, I'm sad or I'm angry. I'm upset or this. Yeah. I, yeah, you're sad. You're angry. Yeah. I imagine I'd feel that way too. Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's totally okay. Yep. Feel it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So Is that helpful? I'm gonna, absolutely. Yeah. It's incredibly helpful. Um, yeah. I, um, there, <sighs> I think they're like also in the transformation industry, when you're a coach, like there's this, um, I've noticed like with, with friends, with everybody, there's this, like, you almost jump in the coaching seat, you know, like, um, when someone might just need you to just hold space and just listen as Mm -hmm. well. So I try to find the balance there and like, um, how can I support you? Like, what do you actually need? Because I, I've noticed with myself, I go straight into like, let's do a process, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really, um, it's very good. And it's so important that we separate the two, that we don't do that with our friends unless they're really asking for it. And then you really also, you really get to also check in. Um, is this going to be enough that to really serve them or do they need, I've had, I've had many friends join my programs because I'm just like, yeah, these one-offs are not going to work. You really actually have to learn the whole process um, to learn to self-regulate. So, you know, it's so important that we separate it. And in those moments with friends that all we're doing is holding space by Mm -hmm. being that extra um, permission for them to be in their experience and feel what they're feeling. So the Mm. only thing you need to do is validate it and Mm. acknowledge it by repeating to them like, Oh God, I'm so frustrated. Yeah. You're frustrated. Yeah. Feel that. Yeah. It's okay. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I just want to cry. Yeah. Cry. Uh Uh-huh. But there's no, other questions we're just you're literally just repeating back to them what they're saying to you holding space that's it you're Mm -hmm. not diving into exploration and what do you need for me and blah 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 because you want it's you don't want to take it on Mm. if it's not a client so it's really it's our responsibility as coaches to learn to have those boundaries and to Mm -hmm. strengthen that boundary and put down our you know our coaching hat or for those that get, we get so much satisfaction from being the savior mm, to mm-hmm. recognize that pattern and um, to just be a friend. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I can see and let, and I know for me, like 
when I reach out to a friend, sometimes that is what I'm looking for. And sometimes I'm like, I really value your insight and wisdom, like, and I'm asking for it. So I think it's that key too, of like, what are they actually asking for? Yeah. Um, yeah. I and you on time. Oh, go ahead. I'm good on time. Um, okay. And you, you get to check in if you feel that they're actually going to take your advice mm. or they're just sucking your energy yeah, for that moment that's huge. to feel yeah. better. And then yes. the next week you see them doing the same pattern and you're just like, oh, I wasted yes. my energy giving to you and you just used it. You didn't really implement it. Yeah. So again, that's for us. It's not to get upset with them because they're just in survival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's our responsibility as coaches to recognize that and say, well, this time, nope, to call them out on it nicely mm-hmm. or to say, I'm not going to go there with you because last week you, we, we already covered this and you didn't, you didn't implement yeah. it. So you want something? Join my program or go work with someone. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So, all right. Um, Speaking of that, of of kind of like that dynamic um, and and doing the inner work with other people, when it comes to this, I'm curious about one-on-one work versus like group work. I feel that... um, And I did a group training last year. And I mean, I experienced, even though it was a group training, like I experienced more in that training than I had in like 12 one-on-one calls. But I know for some people, like they get more out of one one one-on-one call, but I'm just, yeah, I'd I'd love to talk about that with you about group training and one-on-one and I guess how much deeper you can go in each setting. Yeah, I love that question because it's literally what I say when people ask me about one-on-one work or do you work one-on-one or um, in the first module of my virtual program, I'm just like, you know, this is this is a group experience. We're going to go through this, through this together and you'll realize that you can go deeper and faster in group than you can one-on-one and it's actually more fun. So mm. what I've noticed over the years from going from doing one-on-one work, which I don't do anymore to doing group, um, is that sometimes, um, there's things that we have so much shame around, mm-hmm. um, or fear around bringing up to our coach one-on-one. And so we're just going to like keep that to ourselves. And then if you're in a group container, someone else may bring something up that's like, 10 times more like, whoa, she just went there and look at the breakthrough that she had from that. It gives you permission to Mm -hmm. open up about things that maybe you're afraid to open that part of Pandora's box. Mm Because if you do, what if it doesn't work? So to see other people um, in in opening up their biggest pain points uh, gives you more permission. And then we could go deeper and faster because at times um, someone may bring something up that you didn't even realize was a trigger point for you was something that you mm-hmm. wanted to work through and yeah. you could end up working through it just in watching them be facilitated. Or again, it's just like, Oh, now I have access to something else. And then it's more fun because you, um, 
the attention's not all on you. And more importantly, there's a community that gets formed. And I think sometimes in the work of, of healing and trauma, we could feel like we're the only one that's fucked up. <laughs> we're the only one yeah. that has these issues. We're the only one like this. And when you're in group and you realize like how similar we all are, how we all go through a lot of these same challenges, um, it, it makes us feel community. It makes us feel a sense of belonging. Like we're not alone. And that in and of itself is so healing for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find too, for me, um, healing in a group setting, it's so crazy how like, even though the focus wasn't on wounds with others or sisterhood wounds, healing with sisters alongside me healed sisterhood wounds. It was like, all of a sudden my nervous system was like, other people are safe. We're experiencing healing around other people. And all of a sudden I can connect deeper with other people because there's not that like danger, danger, danger that I used to have. Um, so that, that part's beautiful. Especially if you see women as like women are bitchy or women are, you know, um, backstabbing or women are this, it's like, so, you know, especially the pretty girls or especially that. And then, you know, there's one that joins the pro that's in the same program as you. And you have all these preconceived notions of who and how you think she is. Mm-hmm. And then you really get to witness her in her vulnerable states and see all those parts. It shifts that you're just like, wow. like. I, so, so I I think that's what you're speaking to there where the healing can Mm -hmm. occur just in, um, seeing how similar we all are, the humanness behind um, all of it. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So at the training camp for the soul, I believe you guys incorporate breath work and I'm sure you, um, that's a part of the, in the body process. Um, I haven't, I haven't heard you speak directly on breath work that I've looked at on, on your page or on other podcasts, but I'm, I'm curious, um, when it comes to that, um, anything you want to share around why that is so effective, why it's so special and then how we would like how it actually sticks though afterwards, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I see breath work as a tool Mm-hmm. Not something that actually, um, in my opinion, <laughs> mm-hmm. and those that are breathwork coaches, facilitators may not like this answer, that okay. I don't see it as something that could stand on its own. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it as, as a tool. So meaning I don't see that it gets to the actual healing of the traumas, uh, mm. of, of our experiences. I see it as something that, um, and, and we do do it at the retreat. We do it in the mornings to, um, allow whatever wants to come up to come up to the surface, right? Yeah. It's a way that you can either, um, uh, downregulate the nervous system or amplify it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'd say I like to use it in, in that way, uh, whether, you know, breath work is, we're doing box breathing to calm and regulate and drop down. So it could be used in that way. Or again, it could be used to 
bring a lot of stuff up to the surface. Like if mm-hmm. you've been stuffing down emotions, I've had breathwork sessions where I end up crying in it. So it's good to like get certain things that are stuck, sticky, unstuck, mm-hmm. and kind of like shaking, sh- shaking up, uh, what do you call those little globe thingies, right? Shaking yeah. it up in that way. Um, but I also see some people use it as a way to dissociate, as mm. a way to escape um, their, their, their challenges or, or sadness mm-hmm. or whatever it is they don't want to feel. Um, mm-hmm. You can go into like really like DMT experiences with it, really euphoric states yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I feel that um, although that may feel good in the moment, it's it's only like trimming the weed. It's not actually healing from that experience. And so yeah. it's just like just like plant medicine, um, which which I uh, I I appreciate and honor as well, and the gifts of it. Mm-hmm. It's important how it's used that mm-hmm. you have a relationship to yourself that you are the healer that your body Mm -hmm. is the healer and that there's all these different tools um that you can work with so not using it as a way to escape or to numb out or dissociate um but really as a way um to support the rest of the healing journey but i think that it needs other things along with it um, mm-hmm. again, it, to me, it's a somatic practice. And so, um, it's missing the, the, the mindset, the awareness, the, how am I integrating this now coming mm-hmm. out of it? And so yeah. if you have the, um, uh, the, the other tools, mm-hmm. then yes, you, you want breath work as one of the mm-hmm. tools for sure. Yeah. But you can't just yeah. do breath work. Yeah, beautiful. I, I, the way that um, I use it is to, I, for me, it gets me out of the control, the controlling like right and wrong, yes and no mindset so that I can actually drop into the process. And so I've actually never used it as a standalone, um, but I, I have experienced very DMT-like <laughs> um, yeah. Vi- yeah. imagery and things like that and, and feelings in the body through it. So I can see how it can be used for escapism as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I just yeah. see it's, 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 it's really popular right now. It's really a big mm. talk. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's important for people that don't know, you have a lot of tools in your tool belt. You're very well trained. Um, mm-hmm. But for people that aren't to not think like, that's all I need is yeah. just to yeah, go yeah. do some, some breath work all the time, breath work, mm-hmm. breath work. Um, yeah. If it's working for you, great. But if you see you keep turning to it to trim the same thing over and over again, it's just like anything. We have to really create a whole um, combination process for ourselves Mm -hmm. as opposed to one-offs of anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So I have two questions on triggers and then I close the show with a little lightning round um, every episode. My, My first question on triggers is just about... Um, in conscious relationship, I, I would love to hear how you bring that process of working through a trigger when they come up with a partner. 
Yeah. So um, first, so if I'm really triggered, um, again, I see it as that little girl uh, mm-hmm. that is upset. And it's my job to tend to my emotions. It's not mm-hmm. to project it onto my partner. So if I'm really mm-hmm. triggered where I can't express what I need, what my boundary is, um, uh, then I need to go tend to that first. If I don't even have the clarity on what it is that I need, if I'm so in my emotions, um, and this has happened to me before and, uh, or happened to me where I, where I didn't do that with my husband, this was years ago when we were dating. And, um, if we try and speak to our partner when we're really triggered in that state, that's usually when they'll say, I, I, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to say. You're, you're, you're crazy. Right? <laughs> a lot of men, if they're calling a woman crazy, it's because she's being super emotional. And it's not to say that you being super emotional is crazy. It's that it's hard for us to make sense of what we need or want in that moment. And mm-hmm what I learned in times like that when I'm really triggered is to step away and kind of like your baby screaming, crying in the other room, like, um, I'm going to step away from this dinner party and I'm going to go and, um, tend to my crying baby. I'm not going to bring the crying baby out to the dinner party. Uh, I'm going to tend to that, which to me looks like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a leaker. I'm a crier. So allowing the emotions to move through me, grabbing my journal where I can really just dump out any thoughts that are coming through anything that I, that I'm thinking, feeling, write it all down. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, notice myself reaching for distractions like my phone, which happens putting that yeah. Yeah. Like this, this, this is the process. It'll be that. And then I'll grab my phone and I'll start scrolling. I'll be like, oh, right. I'm just, I'm, I'm avoiding right now being with this mm-hmm. screaming baby, yeah. put the phone down, come back, uh, you know, create safety for myself and feel through it, journal it all out where I can then read it back and identify what I actually need, what I'm actually upset about. Was there a boundary mm-hmm. crossed? What is, do I have a request? And it's like, oh, okay. What actually happened? What triggered me? And once I've moved through the big upset around it, then coming back with my partner and um, sharing with them, when this happened, I felt this way. Right? Then bringing in what, nonviolent communication. If you guys mm-hmm. aren't familiar with the book, get the book mm-hmm. nonviolent communication um, of, you know, when this happened, here's how it made me feel. Um, and here's what I need, or here's my boundary. Mm-hmm. And then they could actually hear it and they're not going to call you crazy. They're going to receive it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So I have, when it comes to triggers, um, I have heard about you in the best way possible <laughs> that you really just don't give a fuck if people like you, that you're not afraid to trigger someone. And so I just love to hear about that a little bit and how that's kind of, yeah, um, yeah that, that that's kind of a part of your process and working with people as well. So yeah, I'd love yeah, to hear. it's look, I have, I love, I have a lot of compassion for my clients and mm-hmm. I, and, and my commitment to them is that they learn 
to love themselves. And so, and I think it's so important as coaches that we let go of needing to be liked by our clients, Mm. that we need to put on a show that we need to, we need their approval. No, no, no. They're coming to you for you to hold them and guide them where they can't guide themselves. Mm-hmm. And so at times, and this happens many, especially when you're doing inner child work, mother, father, because people will project uh, their, you know, I, I'm, I become their mom or I become their dad, right? Yeah. Like that happens too. And so, um, yeah, I, I'll say to them when we first start working together in my group programs, just so you know, I, I don't need you to like me. I need you to learn to love yourself. And so mm-hmm. at times I'm going to trigger you. I'm probably going to trigger your mother for you or your father for you. And, um, and, and that's all that's happening. And I have that awareness. And mm-hmm. so I'm able to be very uh, lovingly direct with them. Mm-hmm. I, I had this happen with, with, with a client last week. And he said, he goes, I got off that call. And I was just like, I was a little frustrated with you and like, she was mean to me and blah, blah, blah. Like she thought these things goes. And then I, I watched the replay of it and I was like, realized there wasn't one moment that you weren't holding me and guiding Mm. me and supporting me so lovingly. But yeah, my ego just didn't like to hear what you had to say. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah." because your ego, your identity is fighting your old identity is fighting to still exist and I'm here to support you and slaying that dragon and so Mm -hmm. it's your ego that doesn't like me but (laughs) I'm really here for people to learn to love themselves and um Mm. so I love that thank you so there's a few there's a few short questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show the first one is if you could hug your younger self right now what would you say Mm. you are so smart and such a gift to the world and it's all gonna be okay Mm. beautiful if you could have the whole world read one book which would it be I would say The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And it used to be a requirement, or it still is a suggestion for people as they go through my virtual program to read it because um, it goes so hand in hand with my work. And when I read that book, um, it was so easy to digest that I'm just like, this is a book that people will actually read. And it's like, to me, Mm -hmm. like the Bible of self-development, like it's easy to implement and to see yourself in it. And so that would be the book because I think people would actually be able to read it. There's other ones that I think are so valuable for inner child healing and all that, but, uh, they're a little denser at times or trickier. So the untethered soul. Michael Singer. Yeah, it's very digestible and it's it's the number yeah. one recommended answer to this question. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to hear another one. I, a different one. I would say back No, it's good. One. 
Uh (laughs) I mean, you can, but I mean, there's a reason why it is, you know, the most recommended one. So. Yeah. I would say Peter Levine in an unspoken voice. And that is how Mm, the body releases. Yeah. Peter Levine in an unspoken, is it in an, yeah, in an unspoken voice. And it's how the body releases trauma. And when I read that one, I felt so valid. I felt that the TCS method was so validated mm-hmm. <laughs> having never done any of, you know, Peter Levine is the, is the founder yeah, of I've read some of his experiencing. Books. Yeah. yeah. So that one, the other one. I haven't, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've read some of his books. I haven't even heard of that one. So I'm excited. Um, yeah. All right. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Hmm. Wow, just one. (laughs) That's such a struggle to pick which one. I'm battling between two right now. You can say both. One in the left ear, one in the right. (laughs) Okay. So I'd say here's the one that you should also keep repeating. Well, we can both repeat both to yourself, but it's not who you are. It's what you learned. Mm. And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. It's not who I am. It's what I learned. And the other one is you are so loved and you belong. Yeah. You belong. Beautiful. I say that to my kids every single night at bedtime at every school drop off. You are worthy of love and belonging just the way that you are. Yeah. Yay. And then lastly, how can people connect with you and find your work? How can they sign up for training camp for the soul? All the things. Yeah. So, um, most active on Instagram. So if you follow me in there, I DM, I think I DM'd you, right. When you followed yeah, me, yeah. I DM uh-huh. every new follower because I'm curious more about you and, and like how I can support you and why you're choosing to follow me. And, um, yeah. so uh, if you want to connect with me that way, I will gladly connect in the DMs. And then as far as my work goes, uh, you can go to trainingcampforthesoul.com. I have a retreat coming up June 7th to the 11th in San Diego. And um, yeah, my facilitator training in the fall. And my yeah, virtual program. Yeah. I know. You can learn all about my offerings there. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for all of those offerings and just for all of the things I like, you know, like you said, this hasn't just been a couple of years. It was 10 years in the making by all of the work that you put in and all of the, the yeses that you said to, to all of those paths that had the slaying dragon. So big, big, big celebration of you and mm. all of your, yeah, all of the work that you've put Thank in you. and all of the, um, all to like, you know, the, the full circle of what you're doing. It's not just mind. It's not just body. Like you are actually, you know, putting them both together for full transformation. And so really, really thankful that that's out there. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for engaging in all the, all the questions I asked you and yeah. um, Yeah. And uh, for the listeners, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Mm. All right, you guys. That, I know that was a long one. That was a lot of um, a lot of deep dives into different topics. Uh, I, I hope that it felt beneficial to you. I hope that um, there were some aha moments on new ways that you can connect with yourself 
on your inner child and on um, nervous system regulation with triggers. I know that I have, I have some big takeaways, so I'm very, very thankful. Okay. I'll thank my affiliates. You can always go to jade-bryce.com for my courses, my newsletter. And then you can also go to the link in the show notes. You'll just, if you're looking at the image of the show, you'll swipe up and you'll see the notes. There's a gene keys link in there. It'll lead you to the dream arc, which is a course from Richard Rudd on how to use your dreams for self-actualization how to use your dreams as messengers, how to see what they are revealing to you. And it's such an incredible course. However, if you use that link to even go purchase anything else like his course on love or prosperity, then this show will get a small cut. And that is one way you can support the show. And then the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com code J gets you 15% off. My favorite is the air, the A-E-R. I like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg from wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com code jade for a discount there as well i uh all of my women's programs we use these tools they're extremely powerful in de-armoring the pelvic floor and the cervix and adding uh, like adding some more sensitivity there and just moving energy deepening pleasure Uh, i also work one-on-one with people on learning how to use them so very very beautiful alter items as well And then all things infrared at higher dose code Jade75 for $75 off. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you'd leave a review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. But we got what it takes for the circle.